Welcome to this week's edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the di Executive Director of Bowl Season. And each week, a different guest from the world of college football will join me to discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. Our guests will include former players, coaches, sports executives, and even fans who will share their favorite bowl season stories with you. Today, we are joined by ESPN college football analyst Kirk Herbstreet and San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl Executive Director Mark Neville. Also joining me as she does each week is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. Welcome, welcome. It's so great to be back for episode two now. And we got a little taste of college football with week zero action last weekend. The full slate of games is on the menu this weekend. How are you feeling about that? I, I can't wait. You said it perfectly. We got a little, little taste, just kind of wet the appetite last weekend, but we have the full slate of games this week. And that's why I'm so excited to have Kirk on the show with us, because who better uh, to discuss college football and the kickoff to this new back to normal season than Kirk. So I'm excited uh, about today's show. Yeah, well, when it comes to college football and really setting a game plan, Kirk is probably a part of it. Every morning, uh, you see him on Saturdays hosting ESPN's College Game Day. He provides uh, color commentary for games for ESPN and ABC. He's a former Ohio State quarterback and captain, and he is also uh, an author. Got a best-selling book out called Out of the Pocket, Football Fatherhood in College uh, Father Football fatherhood and college football Saturdays. Let me get it right. Kirk, so great to have you on the show. Uh, love your book. I'm working my way through it right now. It's really been interesting to hear about your life and your journey. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it was um, something that uh, I was approached by Gene Wojciechowski uh, during the middle of a global pandemic. We were all quarantined and just thought it was maybe a good time to reflect and um, just talk more, not just about football and and broadcasting and kind of how I got into that world, but also going back to just my life from the very beginning and kind of unusual path and, and um, some dysfunction and just decided to open up, be vulnerable and, and uh, kind of let people in my world and maybe get them, get, allow them to get to know me better than just seeing me on TV and, and covering college football. So not an easy thing for me to do. I'm, I'm kind of an introvert by nature. So uh, Gene and my relationship with Gene allowed me to, to get eventually comfortable and kind of open up some things I uh, haven't really thought about in over 40 years. You know, we all go through trials and tribulations. I'm sure you guys, uh, yourselves, everybody listening, we all go through them. And, and, um, and I think getting through them and, and learning and growing is a big part of life. And so that was why I decided to write this book. Well, thanks so much, Kirk, for joining us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the book later. We're going to talk about uh, bowl season and, and your bowl memories, obviously. But let's let's talk about college football today for a minute. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most uh, with the 2021 football season? Oh, my gosh. Just, just knocking on wood right now and hoping that we have somewhat of a normal year, uh, that we're able to bring, bring back the pageantry of the sport. You know, I was so proud of the players and the coaches for, for somehow navigating uh, such tricky waters last year and getting us a season. We were able to watch college football, even though it was many times empty stadiums or family only in the stadium, in some cases 20% capacity, but it was just a strange year. And when I think we all got to Miami and Miami was and Alabama was crowned a national champion, there was a sense of relief, you know, that good for Alabama, they won it, but man, we got through this season somehow. So now you fast forward to where we are now, 
And I know we have the Delta variant that's out there and we still have some certain, you know, protocols that are established to prevent us from having a quote unquote, hundred percent normal season. But I'm just looking forward to going to a stadium, seeing fans, seeing tailgating, um, seeing marching bands, uh, just feeling the, the, the energy of a normal college football Saturday. So, you know, we could talk storylines and teams all we want, but I'm just looking forward to getting back to what makes college football to me, the best sport in the country. And uh, we missed that aspect of it a year ago. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to that. You you mentioned getting back to normal as as successful as the college football playoff has been in its seven years. Uh, one of the criticisms of it has been that the normal is the same teams being in it every year. Uh, and while those same teams are still at the top of the polls, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Uh, I don't know, Kirk, you tell me, it seems as if there's there's a little bit more opportunity this year for some other teams to crack that top four it seems like uh, college football is a little bit more wide open how do you see the overall level of competition this year well it's an interesting discussion you know especially with you uh, because the bulls i grew up with the bulls and and even when we went to the bcs i i still felt that the bulls and the structure of the bulls was still a very strong and, and solid um, uh, option for teams and players to to view and, and try to be a part of and since we've gotten into the playoff, we, we've gone into a world where I, it surprised me. You know, we got, I thought it was going to be cool. We'd allow four teams to get in. I didn't think we would get, you know, the reaction from some of the teams that did not make the playoff. Um, and, and maybe we can talk more about that in a second. But I do, I think what you're sensing is fair. I think Alabama has some questions. You know, they lost so much off that championship team. Yet at the same time, as long as Nick Saban's there, I'm a believer. Uh, Clemson has some question marks. I'm excited to see how they respond to not having Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, who are you know, mainstays over the last three years for them. Uh, Ohio State, you know, they lost Justin Fields, who's now the quarterback uh, in Chicago with the Bears and lost a lot of other great players. So uh, there's some questions there. So I think that's fair. Um, and until we see these teams and, and start to get a feel, not for one week, but to me, it's more like third or fourth week, you kind of start to really see who they are. But going in, I'm like you. I wouldn't mind Iowa State getting up there. I wouldn't mind the Cincinnati Bearcats getting up there. Uh, some of these new teams and new faces, I, I think it would be refreshing and exciting to, to throw in some new brands up near the top of uh, the polls. Great, Kirk, to get that insight as we get ready to kick off another college football season. Everybody stay with us because right after the break, we're going to get into some of those bowl season stories that Kirk was talking about, uh, hearing about his days as a player and also as a commentator in the booth. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to school means back to college football. The College Football Playoff Foundation is the largest sports entity dedicated to supporting education. To learn more, visit cfpfoundation.org today. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with today's guest, ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet, who joins us to share his bowl season stories. Uh, Kirk, you and I know that the sports profession is a very small world, especially when you narrow it down to college sports and more specifically college football. Uh, you, you probably would not know this, but my first recollection of you was in 1992. Uh, I was hired uh, by Paul Pasqualoni at Syracuse to be a GA for his football program in, in January of 92, which I think was two weeks after yeah. you, the orange had defeated you and the Buckeyes in, in the hall of fame bowl in Tampa, which is now the Outback bowl. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to that fall. Uh, it was the third game of the year. I was just a young guy up in the coach's box charting plays. 
And uh, you guys came in and you took it to us pretty good. Um, I, I remember you vividly because, you know, you, you, we all remember early in our career things a little bit more yeah. vividly. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you hitting Brian Stabline on a 46-yard touchdown pass early in the game. You know, we never recovered from that. We were, we were playing yeah. catch-up the whole game. And looking back on it, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys had that game circled on your calendar yeah, uh, yeah. after that bowl game loss. Um, you know, we're going to dive into the bowl games in a minute, but before we do that, let's, let's just talk about, you know, your experience being a student athlete, playing college football at the highest level. What are some of your best memories from, from those years? It was uh, a game changer for me. I mean, I, I, I didn't come from a lot of money. Uh, if I didn't play, if I didn't get a scholarship, I, I don't know, I probably would have joined the Marines or, or maybe the army. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I didn't take school as seriously as I should have in high school. And, um, you know, we look back at things in life and wish we could change them and do them over. For me, I was just a sports guy. You know, I, I was a guy that was thinking I'm going to go to the NFL or I'm going to play in Major League Baseball. I just do doing as much school as I need to to get through it. And, and if I didn't have a scholarship, I would have been in trouble. So that was a game changer for me. And then I got to school. And you follow college sports, you know how recruiting goes. I was a five-star guy and supposed to walk in and start for three or four years and didn't. Fell flat on my face. I talk about that a lot in the book and talk about how I wasn't ready. And I, I ran a different system in high school or college. And for three years, I was struggling and, and became cynical and frustrated. And my dreams were evaporating before my eyes. And so while I say college was a game changer for me, it was a game changer because it, it taught me so much about perseverance and things not always going the way I had planned or my schedule. And, you know, I luckily had a support staff of family and friends, but mainly my teammates that got me through that time instead of quitting or transferring or doing whatever comes natural. I fought through it and eventually became a captain my senior year, the year you're talking about when we went to Syracuse and just learned so many valuable life lessons throughout that process. So um, I, I'm always when I hear people talk about the college athlete doesn't get anything. I just look at my own experience and think, man. I think we get a lot, you know, I, I, you know, maybe they, you know, superstars in the, in the game need to be paid or whatever, but I was just happy to be on the team. I was happy to be getting my scholarship, um, happy to be paying. My school was paid for, I was eating for free um, for a guy that didn't come from much. That was, that was, I was living large, you know, in my mind. So um, yeah, that, those, those moments and those relationships were special to me and, and still are. Yeah, those are things uh, a lot of people don't don't think about and they don't consider. You know, I, I think certainly student athletes today have have earned you know their opportunities, uh, but at the same time they're 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 pretty fortunate. I think a lot of people would change places with them in a minute. I think I think they uh, they probably need to remember that sometimes. Well, and I, and I think the other thing is you know the 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 game has changed, the world has changed, and and I, I'm not against players you know with name, image, and likeness and, and the opportunities that are presented to them at all. Um, I, I just, I always grew up with the idea that being a part of a team was a privilege. Um, and I had a responsibility uh, to hold up my end of, of, of that privilege. It's not a right to be on a football team. And, and I think sometimes when I watch the game, I think 95% of the guys understand that it's a privilege, but there's, you know, sometimes 5% of those guys that, that people tuned and social media tuned to lock in on. That, that make it feel like, um, you know, it's, it's more of a right to be able to play. And, you know, coaches like Nick Saban, I think are great examples of, Hey, here's the way we do it. And if you want to be a part of it, 
great. And if you don't, great. You know, you, you can go somewhere else and play. This is the way we do it. And this is why we win. And, um, you know, it's, it's challenging for coaches today and, and players, but uh, it, it still comes down to, <clears throat> you know, being a part of a, of a team and, and making it bigger than just yourself and, and trying to buy into that, that aspect of it. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, let's transition to, to bowl game specifically a little bit. You know, there's so many, so many ways that the bowl game experience, you know, is, is meaningful and memory and memorable for people. Um, some people see it as a reward for a season. Uh, some people see it as a chance for the student athletes to see a part of the country that they, they wouldn't normally get a chance to see. Uh, a lot of people, Kirk, talk about the extra practice time for young players and, and even for veteran players. Uh, some people look at it as the end of the season. Uh, for others, it's kind of the launching point for the following year. And I think you're probably an example of that. I, I, I read in your book, you know, the opportunity the Liberty Bowl gave you to run the uh, scout team quarterback and how that maybe gave you an opportunity to catch the attention of your coaches in a yeah. little bit different way. And then the following year, we, we referenced the Hall of Fame Bowl against Syracuse. That game, you know, I, I think from what I read, gave you a great sense of what you needed to do in the offseason, right, mm -hmm. to become, that was only your second start, you yeah. know, what you needed to do in the offseason to, to, you know, uh, allow yourself to have a very productive year. So tell us about those experiences and the role those bowl games played in your overall college football journey. Well, I, I think sometimes bowls get a bad rap. You know, I, I think when, when I, I, I don't, you could probably go back and look at 1992, how many bowl games there were, it was a very different time. You know, a lot of times we were going to, we would lose to Michigan a lot of times at the end of the year and we we're the second best team in the big 10 and we would go to a Liberty bowl or we'd go to the, what's now the Outback Bowl or the, many times the Citrus Bowl. John Cooper went to the Citrus Bowl a, a number of times. In today's world, we'd be a, probably a New York Six, a New York Six Bowl type of team. But back then, it was there weren't a lot of bowls. I don't know how many bowls there were in 1992. It's probably oh, only about 20, about <clears throat> half of what there is now. Yeah, yeah. And so when you made a bowl, it was like a huge deal. You know, as a player, I'm giving you a player perspective. Um, yeah, you wanted to always go to a big one, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, Fiesta, Orange, one of the big ones. But if that didn't happen, you were discouraged. But you know what? Here we go. We're going to Tampa. Here we go. We're going to Orlando. And then the coaches did a really good job when we would go because you got to understand you were a program. You're almost I mentioned the Marines. When you're a football player, you, you don't have a lot of free time, you know, between class, going to the facility for extra film study, lifting weights, eating practice, walkthroughs, film study, there's just not a lot of wiggle room to just be a normal student, which, by the way, I'm not complaining about. I'm okay with. That's just what you sign up for. So when you get to a bowl game, wow, you get practice in the morning, and then they give you eight hours of freedom. So in our case, we're in Tampa or we're in Orlando, or you know, if you're in the Rose Bowl, you're in Pasadena, whatever it is. You know, and, and, and back in those days, they would give you a car, you know, and they put like three or four players would be with one senior or one guy and responsible for a guy, you know, hey, he's in charge of you to get you to a beach or get you wherever you're going to go. And we would just go and be regular people and, and hang out and go to, and we were in Orlando, we'd go to Disney or, or Magic Kingdom or whatever. And we're just kids, you know, we're 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And we were having the time of our lives, you know, and, and we would go to bowl functions and see the team we're playing and we'd hang out with them a little bit. So it was a very, very, I, don't, I know that's yesteryear, but that was just a very cool experience for us to go through. And I think everybody, if you took a poll, uh, everybody appreciated what we were doing. And 
you know, there was a way even back then we we get a little bit of bowl money for guys that, that uh, couldn't fly or they wouldn't fly with the team. They would fly, you know, from their home. So there was all kinds of even little perks back then. Um, but yeah, and it was a, it was a good time. No one ever thought about, quote unquote, opting out. No one ever thought about this game doesn't matter. You know, the way you hear I just I mean, it was another game. It was another chance to be with your boys and go compete and go practice and go try to compete and win a game. And um, now I feel like it's, it's, you know, with this playoff, like I talked about it, you know, I, when I hear people say a game doesn't matter, the only thing I will say in defense of the players is instead of 20 bowl games, there's now 40 or whatever it is. And some of these bowls, the perception of the bowls at times I feel is hurt from a PR standpoint, because people who are cynics and people that don't like the bowls or think the bowls don't matter, they'll turn on a bowl and see, you know, a small crowd and they'll say, oh, look, see, nobody cares. No one plays. These bowls are exhibitions. Nobody cares. And I just think that if we didn't have 40 of them, maybe we wouldn't open the door for, for people to say those kind of things or teams that are six and six going to bowl games. People are like, we've gotten to the point where these bowls, what's the point? And so I hear that. I mean, I understand why people are saying that because in the old days, you had to be at least eight and three or eight and four to get to a bowl game. And now, you know, you see teams sometimes five and seven going to a bowl game or six and six. So I think that from the bowls have been tarnished. They have been uh, hurt as far as the perception of them because there's so many of them and because of the type of teams that are now being rewarded. Um, and doesn't mean bowls are bad it doesn't mean I, i'm a bowl guy i think they're great for for college football but i understand the battle that, that the bulls have right now if we're being real that's a real battle you know from a pr standpoint kirk you alluded to this in in your in your answer here you know the the last game of your career was the citrus bowl you know so that for you uh and for the majority of seniors across the country that's that's typical your bowl game is your last football game you'll ever play in your life you know, you think about that, you know, I'm actually going to read something you wrote in your book. Uh, and again, you, you touched on it. I guess these days it sounds old fashioned to say that I would have cut off my left arm to play one more game with my buddies. That's why I'll never fully understand why players skip bowl games. I understand the NFL and money aspect of it, the injury possibilities to, but to me, I couldn't put a dollar figure on being with my guys. Talk well, about that. Well, I think when you get older and I, and that's how I felt as a player and that's how I feel now. What, 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 what sometimes people don't understand in, in this era of name, image, and likeness and money, there's never been more of an emphasis on the college player trying to get to the NFL than right now. And 2% of them make it. And I guess as an older guy, it's almost that line from Jerry Maguire, help me help you. That, that's how I feel when I talk to my kids or I talk to players that are 18 to 22, because what you're going to learn is don't ruin potential moments in your life for short-term money. Don't, don't get into a race of going to, as fast as I can to the NFL and not plant roots on where you are because that has staying power. That relationship at LSU or Ohio State or Texas or Florida State, if you play your cards right and you, you are, your eyes are open, your ears are open, and you're taking advantage of the system, the system isn't taking advantage of you, my point is you'll have opportunities that when you're 50 years old and you look back at life, it's not about money. I've lived without any money and I've lived where I've made a little bit of money. Money doesn't change me who I am. What I miss are the moments in life 
whether it's for you guys with your family, think about vacations you take or trips that you went on, games you go to, like what you what what life's about is creating moments and memories. And I feel like sometimes these guys are in such a hurry to get to the NFL that they don't realize the moments that they're missing out on. And playing in a bowl game is a great moment. You're a lot of times playing a big brand, a big school. It's going to be on a big stage and maybe you are a senior and it's your last go round. You could not have pulled me out of the locker room to, to make me miss that game against Georgia, my last game, to wear that uniform and to play with my buddies. It was just, it was just, a, it was not an option. And whether I was going to the NFL with the first pick overall, or I was never going to play in the NFL, it would have been the same mindset. And I think anybody from my era, I've talked with Desmond Howard, who won the Heisman, won in the NFL, was an MVP of a Super Bowl, great things. You couldn't have pulled him out of the Michigan locker room to play his last bowl game. And so I just think it was a different lens. We, we were viewing things from a different lens, whereas some of the guys now, their lens has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, has everything to do with how fast can I get to the NFL. And this last bowl game, it's one more obstacle potentially to get me hurt or prevent me from signing with an agent where I can start working out to get ready for the NFL. And if that's your lens, if that's your perspective, there's nothing I can say that'll ever make you change your mind. So what I'm trying to do is just let people know, <clears throat> based on my experiences and other guys that, that I've played with, how they felt. And you know, the other thing is I've never bumped into an NFL guy in my life. All these guys that play in the NFL make all this money. They see me at a Super Bowl party or wherever. <clears throat> Every one of them's like, oh, Herb, what's up, man? They're like, what I would give to go back one more time and play for my college team. Just one more time, come out of that tunnel, put that uniform on in front of that crowd. NFL is great, making a lot of money, but it's a business. I miss coming out where it's just passion and college football. Every guy says that to me. I've never had one guy be like, oh, glad I'm done with college football. And yet here we are. NFL guys want to come back and play college. And college guys, some of them, are sprinting as fast as they can to get to the NFL and not enjoying the moment and, and the experiences. So it's a long answer, but that there's a lot to it. No, for sure. It, it's something about being young, Kirk, and we were both there once a uh, long time ago, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, you just don't have the ability to project forward and, and understand the meaning that what you're doing uh, at that moment is going to have for you later on. I have two sons like you do, and I'm constantly trying to trying to get them to slow down a little bit, Yeah. you know, yeah. And, uh, and, and understand and appreciate and enjoy uh, everything they're doing. So, but again, I think cell phones, social media, video games, you know, you have to be, you know, you, we don't have our head in the sand. I mean, I, if anything, I, I feel like we're not the guy on the front porch yelling, get off my lawn. If anything, we're right in the front row. Uh, I, I'm very familiar with what's out there, what, what the challenges are out there for, for these guys and the different distractions. I mean, I live it every, with four sons that are all just three, just got into college, one still at home. I mean, I, I fully appreciate and understand the world that they're facing and how different it is compared to, you know, the world that I faced. So uh, one more bowl game specific question, and it's going to be a little, a little bit different type of question than what we've been talking about. Uh, the bowl game experience, as you, you know, Kirk, is not just, you know, what people at home see. They turn the TV on for three hours and they watch the game. It's, a, it's five, six, seven days of uh, going to a city, experiencing the best that that community has to offer. You mentioned a little bit earlier, whether depending on where the game is, you go to the beach, you have, you have barbecue, you, you tour a museum. 
and you're doing it with your buddies, right? So inevitably there's, there's some story or stories or memories of things you did on a bowl trip with your buddies. Maybe some, some of them you, uh, you don't feel it's appropriate to repeat uh, <laughs> on this show, but, but think back, is there anything you know, that really sticks out in your mind that was really cool that you and your buddies got to do at, at a bowl game? Uh, for us, we were always in Florida. We tried to get to California for Pasadena. When you're in the Big Ten, that's where you're trying to go. But for us, we, we ended up in Florida. And uh, again, in Tampa, we often would go to get done with practice. And just the fact that we were in a car driving somewhere, go get sil silly things like going to get something to eat, uh, going to the beach and hanging out at the beach uh, in, in Tampa was a lot of fun. Going out to dinner uh, on, on uh, you know, in the evenings, they would give us a curfew and give us uh, a chance to go out, you know, and I was, uh, I was 21, 22 years old. And so chance to be able to go out and, and uh, go to bars, you know, in a different city. It was a, a really uh, cool experience. In Orlando, we loved it because again, we're 21, 22 year old guys and we're going to SeaWorld, you know, and, and I was a captain of the team. They asked the captains to come up. You know, this is when Shamu was active and me and the Georgia captain, went out there on the deck with the, the, the uh, orca and like did different hand signals and different things. And, and this huge whale was like, you know, we're touching it and doing different things. He's sticking his tongue out at us and right in front of this huge crowd, you know, and everyone's laughing and he's spilling, throwing water on us. And, you know, just to be able to do that with a Georgia player and all the, the team was of course there um, going to, you know, magic kingdom or, uh, you know, Epcot, all those different riding rides and just hanging out, just being guys, just being kids, you know, and, and um, they created a lot of good memories and, and things that, you know, you didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really, I never went on vacation in my entire life until those bowl games, you know, those bowl games were my first introduction to what a vacation was. And um, that's why my one vice now that I'm an adult is I love to take, I never had vacations. I like to go on vacations with my kids, my wife. But those experiences, those bowls were my first taste of being on a vacation. And, uh, you know, you're focused trying to win a game, but it's just cool to hang out and, and be with your boys and, and do different things. Good stuff. We talked about your book, Kirk. I have it right here. I'm about halfway through. Uh, excited to finish it. Re really good stuff. I want to give you a chance to talk about it a little bit. It's uh, out of the pocket, uh, football, fatherhood, and college game day Saturdays. Uh, what were your What were your goals in writing the book, and how does it feel to be a published author? Ah, oh, it's crazy to think that. I mean, I I um, I'm honored to be a part of it with Gene Wojciechowski, who was a co-author. The uh, audio book, which I put 25 hours into. So if you're interested in an audio book, just throw me a bone and, and download the audio book because it was. It was an ordeal. I felt it was my duty. You know, the book's my memoir. I felt like I wanted to voice it and I didn't know what I was getting into, but it was, it was, I, I think, very uh, worth it. I've had family and friends that have done the audiobook who know me and said, man, I, I, I feel like hearing you tell a story is so different from reading the book. So, um, you know, one second they're laughing, next second they're crying. There, there, there's, there's just a lot in the book. Um, and I think that's what makes this book probably a little different than it's when you see my picture, you might think, Oh, it's going to be about football or college game day. And there, there is a lot of that in there, but I got, I got very um, honest and just opened up. And, and my whole goal was, which I've received through social media and people that have reached out through text, people I've never met or heard from said, man, I cannot tell you how similar your story is to mine. I can't tell you how much I appreciate 
you you opening up and telling your story. I never knew this part about your life. I just see you on Saturday and just think you have this perfect life. And it's so cool to know that what you've been through. And that, that was really my goal. I don't, I'm not trying to pretend to have any answers. I'm not trying to like, it's not a how-to book. It's just me opening up and, and doing something I don't never really do. And um, that's scary when you do that. And, and I think that the only goal I have is that for people who have been through some trials and tribulations, um, read it and just say, man, I can relate to this. You know, if that, if that's the only thing they get out of it, then for me, that that's, that was my goal in, in writing the book. And they, they hear some stories about Lee Corso and, you know, my job, how I got to ESPN was, is a big story. You know, usually when you get to the level that I am in broadcasting, you won Super Bowls, you're a Heisman winner, you're a big, huge name on the field. And I'm kind of an anomaly in that way across the board on the, on the national level. And a lot of people are curious, how in the world did you, did you get there? People know me more as a broadcaster than they do as a player. And if you think about all the broadcasters you follow, most of them, you know, you remember as a player or they made their name as a player and I didn't. So how did I get to the spot that I've gotten to, I think is kind of a story within itself. So I just decided to share a lot. And, and like I said, hope people enjoy it. Well, it's a, it's a great book, Kirk. I'm enjoying reading it. I, I think anyone would enjoy reading it, even if you're not a sports fan. Uh, yeah. So for our listeners out there, I really, really encourage you to, to listen to it and, and maybe do Kirk a, a favor and download the uh, audio version. <laughs> yeah. So last thing we're going to do, Kirk, this is uh, something we like to do at the end of each show. And I say that uh, loosely because this is the first time we're going to do it at the end of one of our shows. We call it our fourth and one segment. And this is going to be real quick. I'm going to give you four uh, subjects yeah. and you're going to, it doesn't have to be one word answer, but one phrase, one sentence. First thing that comes to your mind, Ohio State. Uh, excellence. NIL. Opportunity. Conference realignment. Inevitable. And Lee Corso. My guy. Awesome. <laughs> Great stuff, Kirk. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And this is, this is a lot of fun to reminisce and, and I just appreciate being on with you. Yeah. Good, good luck this season. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Thank you. Take right. care, Angela. Amazing to have you. And I just want you to know, I am listening to the book. And Thank it, it you. is a different experience. I love it. I love hearing you. Uh, oh, that's very it. nice of you. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. We will be right back in 30 seconds with Mark Neville, Executive Director of the Holiday Bowl. So stay with us. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of bowl season. Nothing compares to the power and excitement of live events. Ticket Smarter is the smarter way to buy tickets for live events like sports, concerts, and theater. Visit TicketSmarter.com or download the app today. Welcome back, everyone, to Bull Season Stories. We are pleased to welcome Mark Neville, Executive Director of the Holiday Bowl and the Chairman of the Bull Season Executive Board. Mark, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to get up early out here in San Diego and join you. Awesome. I know you were listening a little bit, uh, Mark, to, to Kirk. What a great uh, guest. What great insight he gave us. Yeah, um, you know, it's really funny, Nick. I would appreciate it if you have a guest that isn't as prolific and uh, as well-spoken as him. You know, for me to follow that, it's kind of big shoes. to. Well, it's funny you say that. We debated that, and we you were the only guy we could think of to fill that role. Sure. So, um, <laughs> Uh, Mark, as uh, as you heard Angela say, is the chair of the executive committee of bowl season, which means he's my boss. So I'm not going to be afraid to throw out those little little uh, <laughs> sure. little plugs here and there. So, 
Mark, you've been with the Holiday Bowl for more than 30 years now, 25 as the number two, five years in charge as the executive director. You've obviously seen a lot of growth and change happen over that time. What's been some of the biggest highlights for you as the bowl has grown in San Diego? Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, the, 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 the holiday bowl is known for having really exciting games. You know I mean? We've, we've been around for, for 42 years and, and uh, we had this moniker self-proclaimed for a time, but America's most exciting bowl game. You know, we had a couple games that were really on that were fantastic. And, and we've kind of stuck with that. We've, we've, we've ridden that horse for a long time now. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's about those, those down to the wire finishes, those, those high scoring games out here in San Diego that, 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 that we're known for, uh, but it's also the pageantry that, that, that we've built through the years and a lot of the traditions and, and, you know, with the traditions of, of college football and, you know, we try to bring a lot of that here to San Diego and we've done a really good job of it. And, um, but more than all of that, it, it's a, you know, what I, when I think of the highlights of the bowl game, it's what we've been able to do for our community here in San Diego. Um, in those 42 years, we've generated $977 million in economic benefit, uh, more than 800,000 hotel room nights. Uh, and, you know, we do that during the slowest tourism period of the year. If the bowl game is not going on here in San Diego over that period, there's not a lot happening. Um, so uh, in terms of highlights, you know, that that is something that that we're really proud of. And, and, and in addition to that, you know, we have a really strong ticket base. I mean, we have more than 20,000 people who go to our game year in and year out, regardless of who's playing in the game. I mean, as you know, for, for all but three weeks of the year, we're selling a game, but we have no idea who's playing in it. And, but we do sell the experience and we have a, a local fan base that's really loyal to us. They enjoy it. Um, they see the value and what we bring to the community. And uh, so that's something, you know, that, that we're really proud of. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you think back when bowl games were created, you know, 100 years ago, Mark, that was the premise, right? It was to uh, have an event uh, to stimulate tourism in a community at a time of year when people typically aren't, aren't traveling. And I think at, at their core, I think every bowl game still holds to that mission. Yeah, I agree with it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're proud to be a part of that family and, and uh uh, we, we root for everybody else that's out there too in the bowl world. You know, it's important that, that all of us um, do as good a job as possible and uh, to create a great experience and to do great things for the community. What are some of your favorite memories from your history with the Holiday Bowl? Oh my gosh, there are so many of them. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's, there's like mental snapshots that I have, mental vignettes that I have that, that I'll, I'll go back to a lot. I mean, more recently in 2019, when we had Iowa and, and USC in our game, uh, we brought the Iowa wave here, you know, the, where the, we recognized the hospital. We, we were doing a, had some kids from the Iowa City um, Hospital, Children's Hospital, waving at, at our crowd, and we were waving back, and um, all the lights were on, all the players. I mean, it, it, it's, again, it's all about the traditions, and, and that was something that we were so proud to bring here to San Diego, and it was it came off so well and it was really fun. Um, you know, I think back even long time ago, 1998, it was this real I was on the field pregame um, and Nebraska and Arizona was, was in the game that year. And it was a pretty big game. They were both in the top 10. And when Nebraska came out onto the field, it hit me hard. Like it was like, dang, you know, we got Nebraska here in our game. This is big time. And uh, I, that's one thing that I won't forget, um, you know, more about, 15 years ago or so, we had Kermit the Frog as the uh, Grand Marshal of our parade. So I got to spend a lot of time with Kermit. That was a highlight. 
Uh, and I got to audition uh, to be the backup voice for uh, Kermit the Frog. Uh, can we hear that? Can we hear that audition? Can, can uh, we recreate that? Oh boy. Uh, let's see if I can do it here on the spot. Uh, well, Nick, thank you very much for having me. My name is Kermit the Frog and, and we're very proud uh, to host, to be at the Holiday Bowl. It's, it's great. So anyway, I went through this whole thing, right? With the Muppets people. And I was all fired up. And meanwhile, you know, I'm looking at Kermit over on the couch, like lifeless, right? And it was kind of disheartening for me. But, but uh, so I did this, this voice for him. And they kind of looked at me and totally just like, you know, deflated my, my ego as a, as a voice for Kermit. And uh, they said I sounded more like Fozzie Bear. So uh, I pretty much gave up the voice. That might have been the first time I've done it. Although my kids, I had friends, uh, friends of my kids who were convinced and I never told him otherwise that I was the voice of Kermit the Frog in the first movie. I had to make it sound real, but that was, you know, those, those I have memories like that, but more than anything else, it's really about the people that I've met through the years. I mean, some of my very best friends are people that I've met in the bowl world. Um, you know, having been here now for 30 years, uh, you know, coaches, of course, and, and athletic department staff and conference offices and, and, and our volunteers um, are they're called red coats. They wear these pretty red coats uh, during during bowl season. Um, and they're pretty well known here in town. Um, you know, I mean, I met my wife through the bowl game, uh, and uh, people, my mentors. You know, my my predecessor Bruce Pinkowski, I give a lot of credit to in terms of my career, my life. Um, and uh, you know, when I when I look back. You know, when I retire and I, I look back at my days with the Holiday Bowl, it's, it's going to be about the people. Um, everyone here, you know, in San Diego, at least, that's affiliated with the bowl game is so proud of it. And they so, they love this organization. And, um, and we have, you know, people get married that are volunteers here. There's kids that have been born through the Holiday Bowl. Um, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a really neat place, you know, and it's a special place. I wouldn't have been here for 30 years um uh, if i didn't think that you know and, and it's not just me i mean this is a we have a, an amazing team out here so when i look at, at memories of course i have some that we cannot talk about uh here uh that have that have that have occurred but um you know i have so many mental snapshots and just relationships that i have all around the country now that that i really treasure Angela, it might be a little premature to be given out awards because we're, we're only two podcasts in but i think the front runner for Bowl season stories podcast moment of the year is Mark Neville imitating Kermit the Frog. I love it. I love it. It's okay if we edit that out, by the way. I won't. I no won't, chance. I won't That's going on social media. You better believe it. Get ready. We're going to tag Kermit. Well, what did you think? Did it sound like Kermit? Uh, I I I uh, I heard a little Fozzie Bear in there. Yeah. I, I feel like you started Whatever. strong and you kind of fizzled out at the end, but you just keep practicing. I will keep on trying. I'll try to be the best Kermit the Frog I possibly can. <laughs> Mark, you've been on the bowl season executive board for a few years now, and we're just named chair. So congratulations again. Uh, I know that uh, you feel continuing the great tradition of bowl season is really, really important. What does bowl season mean to you in the larger context of college football? You know, when I, when I think of bowl games, I think of celebrations, you know, college football is, the reason college football is my favorite sport are the traditions that, that come along with it. You know, game days on campuses are, are really second to none. And the bowl season is the culmination of, 
of a full season and, and, and the tradition of the bowls are so important. I mean, it's a huge part of the sport. Um, and I, you know, with all of us in, in the bowl industry, I mean, we take that very seriously. Um, you know, we all have our own traditions that, that we, that we nurture in, in our own communities. Um, we tried to bring some of those traditions from the campuses, uh, to our, our communities. Um, you know, I, I think of, of the, the times, the special times for the fans that, that come to these communities, um, and, and celebrate their team. I, I think of the student athletes. Uh, and the special experiences that they receive in those communities that I, and I know when you were talking with Kirk, you know, you mentioned a lot what what fans don't see um, behind the scenes and the special times that the players have uh, with one another. And, and here in San Diego, we, we go on board a, uh, an active Navy ship, um, you know, and, and talk about memories. You know, when you see these, these, these student athletes going on board a, an aircraft carrier here in San Diego and, and interacting with sailors and Marines from that ship, um, I mean, that, that's a pretty incredible experience that, that these guys are getting. Um, I think of the bands and, and, and the cheer squads and, and um, you know, we, we do our best to, to provide them an experience. I mean, they're, they're kids too, right? And um, they deserve a great experience. And they're a huge part of the traditions of, of college football. I mean, the marching bands, um, it's one of my favorite parts of college football. Uh, and so we do a really good job of, of taking care of them uh, while they're here in San Diego. And, and, and they get great experiences at bowl games as well. Uh, all around. And, and then I think of the communities as well, you know, I mean, for the communities that, that these bowl games um, serve, uh, uh, it's really important. You know, I mentioned earlier that the Holiday Bowl takes place during the slowest tourism period of the year. And, and I, San Diego is not alone with that. I mean, there's other communities out in the bowl world that are just like that. And so these bowl games are, are really important. Not only are they a great part of the traditions of college football, they're part of what make college football great and the best sport um, in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but in addition to those traditions, what these bowl games mean uh, for the communities and, and uh, that they play in, um, you know, the bowl system is and bowl season is just such a great thing for way many, many more reasons than, than just one. Um, so, you know, I, out here in San Diego, we're so proud to be a part, you know, and with the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, uh, to be a part of bowl season. That's something that we take seriously, you know, and it's something that we're really proud to be a part of. And, and you know, personally, I feel pressure to live up to those expectations, you know, and, and exceed those expectations. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a long-winded answer uh, to your question, but, but bowl games are important, um, not only for the traditions of college football that are, that are so dear to, to many of us, um, but to the communities that we plan. Good, good stuff. Couldn't agree more, Mark. We, we have about a minute left. I'm going to have one last question for you. Obviously, last year was a tough year for everybody. The Holiday Bowl was unfortunately canceled due to COVID. What have you learned over the course of the past year uh, that you and your staff can use to make the return of the Holiday Bowl in 2021 a success? And, and what's, what's, what's new this year with the Holiday Bowl? Oh, God, we have a ton of new stuff. But I, I will say one thing that we really learned through COVID um, is how important our game is here in San Diego and how, it, how missed it was. I mean, you know, restaurants, hotels, they struggled. And, and our iconic attractions here like SeaWorld and the zoo, I mean, they struggled through the pandemic. They're still struggling. Um, and, but we learned how much the bowl game is missed and how important. I mean, 
council members here, supervisor, they're all telling me, you know, how, how much they miss the holiday bowl. Um, we have a lot of new things in store. We did take that opportunity to really work on some other things, but we're having a new home. Um, SDCCU Stadium, formerly Qualcomm Stadium, is, is raised. Uh, and so we are actually moving downtown into Petco Park, the home of the San Diego Padres, something that we're incredibly excited about because it's going to be right smack in the, the center of a couple of entertainment districts downtown. A lot of our fans are staying downtown. We're going to be having a party all around the ballpark. We're going to be decorating downtown to be like a village for the Holiday Bowl. The restaurants, the bars, they're all getting behind it. We're going to have a concert the night before the game. Uh, and, you know, we're working to create the greatest experience for the fans that we possibly can. And we want people, when they go back home, that they're going to want to come back to San Diego. Um, plus, you know, we're debuting a new matchup. You know, we, we are now going to have the Pac-12 and the ACC. We're really excited about that one. Uh, matchups that don't typically occur or have not occurred that often. So we'll be creating some pretty unique matchups here in San Diego and and, uh, you know, it's 15 schools uh, in, in the ACC that have never played in the Holiday Bowl before. So we're going to be bringing new fan bases out, out to town that we're excited about. And, and then we're, we're one of the, the rarities out there that we're, we're not uh, part of the, the ESPN family. We were for many, many years and, and we, we, we loved our, our time there. But uh, now we're with Fox Sports. And for the first time in our history, we're going to be on broadcast television. Um, prime time on the 28th, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. Um, so we, we look forward to uh, increased eyeballs uh, watching a great game from from beautiful San Diego, California. So lo really lots of, of great stuff happening here. Uh, as you said, Mark, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl scheduled for Tuesday, December 28th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It'll air on Fox. Mark Neville is the executive director of the Holiday Bowl. Mark, thanks so much for being on the show. And thanks for being a great boss, too. <laughs> I've heard you say that to other people, by the way, Nick. So, uh, no, but I really enjoyed it and uh, uh, looking forward to a great year. And, and bowl season is, is such a great part of college football and, and appreciate everything that you've done in, in uh, the time that you've been with us and, and great things ahead for sure. Thank you, Mark. And thanks for joining us for this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Next week, we will welcome Daryl Johnston, three-time Super Bowl champion and a fellow Syracuse alum who played in the Sugar Bowl and the Hall of Fame Bowl. We'll also talk to another one of our executive directors. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you can follow all the podcast and bowl season news on social media at bowl season. Thank you for listening.